0: but wait
1: it gets worse according to la times in june of 2021 across California's psychiatric facilities since 2009 more than 50 deaths were determined to be suicides from mistreatment and neglect of patients by staff
0: but wait it gets worse hi i'm shannon
1: and i'm mara each week, we'll bring you a chilling tale and a real-life encounter, and it's up to you to determine which is
0: which. And last week, we talked about body finding. finding. Body. <laughs> I, like, don't even know how to say it. Finding a body. Body finding. I like body finding. I'm not sure why. It just doesn't sound right. It doesn't. Which so we're into I mean. it. Yeah, okay. So, <laughs> um, mine was the fake story. I'm Really hoping that some people knew where it came from. Um, it's called Thumpity Thump, and it was from the second of three books called More Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark.
1: I knew exactly what that was from like the second line in. Pretty much as soon as you said Thumpity Thump. And I'm
0: Unfortunately, like, oh. I actually didn't. Like, I am not super familiar with this story. The first one, the first book of the trilogy, was my jam. Yeah, um, it was everybody's uh, jam. yeah, as as it was for everyone. This the second and third, I'm not really familiar with. So well, I'm glad you did it. It was well, a good one. Well, and just so that everybody knows, Mara has all three and she's going to let me borrow them, so I'm very excited. Yes.
1: Um my story, which I'm sure a lot of people probably figured out, uh it was the true story. It's uh, actually the Black Dahlia case. Um I didn't say that in my story just because I didn't want it to be too obvious, but I did mention that it was Elizabeth Short, and a lot of people know that Part Elizabeth Short yeah. is the Black Dahlia. Yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, they've never figured out who has done it, and they probably never will figure it out. Uh, the press really fucked it up. LAPD really fucked it up.
0: Um, and it's just kind of shitty. My guess is it has to be tied to other murders that they just haven't even realized we're we're connected yeah because there's like nobody is that sick that they'll do it to one person and then just stop like there's at least in my experience like it's not a one and done in your thing. experience in in my <laughs> my uh, personal life. no in like the true crime stories that i am familiar with yeah, like, there's, yeah, yeah. there's nobody that does that and like also, knowing, not that I'm an expert by any means, but knowing some information about, like, mental illness, you just, it, it doesn't just go away. Mm-hmm. So, well, we don't know, but. Yeah. This week, we're really? talking about asylums. Yes.
1: Asylums, mental institutions, psychiatric
0: wards.
1: Yes. That All sort of the of above. Thing.
0: Do you want to go first? Yeah, I will. Do it. All right, so my story is about the Athens Lunatic Asylum. Great. It was located in Athens, Ohio, and it went by the following names from the time that it opened to present. The Athens Hospital for the Insane, the Athens Asylum for the Insane, insane. (laughs) the Athens Mental Health and Mental Retardation Center to Athens Mental Health Center, which is actually the second time it was named that. So they named it that at one point and then went through one of those other names and then went back to the Athens Mental Health Center. Gotcha. So they obviously could not decide. (laughs) It started operating January 9th, 1874. People were encouraged to seek treatment there after the Civil War, given the dreadful state that the people were in. Anxiety, epilepsy, post traumatic stress, and high libidos were common, <laughs> and at the time warranted going to a hospital. Of course, they also saw veterans and children. Um, this asylum had a garden, farm fields, greenhouses, wow. a carriage shop, a dairy, and an orchard. It okay. sounds nice, right? Yeah. So initially, they it's did a whole that. Whole town, right there. Right a little commune. Mm. So they initially did that thinking it was going to benefit the patients. Yeah. But instead, they put the, um, the or the staff put the patients to work. Oh, And just like wonderful. it became, yeah, just like free labor. Great. So not good. Um, their work was viewed as therapy and would benefit this facility. Yeah. I'm so that's sure. why they kept doing it. So supposed to be people. for the patients ended up being for the facility. The asylum quickly hosted 2,000 patients, which was over three times its capacity. I was just
1: going to ask what the capacity was. So were they like doubling and tripling up in rooms?
0: Yep. um, I think I'll get to that. But at some point, there were 10 or more patients in a room. Is that a joke? It's not, unfortunately. The number of patients increased while the number of staff stayed the same. But at least most of the staff were professionally trained to take care of mentally unstable patients, right? No. No. Most of the staff hadn't had any sort of training um, or background or anything like that. And to add to that, they misdiagnosed patients um, and performed lobotomies
1: Uh, and
0: shock therapy. Of course they did. So the patients were neglected beaten, and placed in crowded rooms. These rooms, like I said previously, were only meant to hold one patient, but Mm -hmm. were housing ten or more. Great. Yeah. Women who... (laughs) This is just the best. Women who would naturally exhibit signs of sexual desire would be later diagnosed with hysteria. Naturally... Say that sentence again. Women... Mm-hmm. who would naturally exhibit signs of sexual desire. So what exactly, what, what, what do they mean? Um, probably just, like, a smile, a <laughs> smirk, an eye look, I don't know. I hate everyone. They were hysteric. Women who just
1: existed. Yep.
0: <laughs> These doctors believed that they were sick because of menstrual derangement. Great. Treatment for this hysteria, postpartum depression, or periods, just having your period, just having a period, was freezing, shock therapy, kicking, and again, lobotomy. Kicking. Yep. They thought that was going to solve it, obviously. Oh, (laughs) she's in hysterics. Let's kick her while she's down. Like, what the fuck? Um, that's One not th-
1: funny. We don't mean to laugh at that. No, at all. we're laughing
0: at the ridiculousness. Of I'm it. laughing because I'm uncomfortable. One of the women, Margaret Schilling, tried to escape and went missing for 42 days. They didn't care. They didn't do anything about it. She was just considered to be gone, basically. They just assumed that all was well and she went and made a and life. I'm in sure the they town. knew that it wasn't well, but they just didn't put any effort in. Well, into they probably didn't have her. any staff to actually go find her either True. since they were woefully. So overheard. then, after 42 days, she was accidentally found in an abandoned ward that was used for patients with infectious diseases. Of course, her clothes were found neatly folded next to her while her dead, decaying body lay on the floor. Where it like they just didn't find her for 42 days? Yeah, what she was just, like, her? in a different wing.
1: Why? Nobody,
0: nobody knows. <laughs> okay. Like an abandoned wing, basically. They say that her body had decayed so much that there was a gooey imprint of her outline on the oh, floor. gross. That is still there today. Stop it. No, it's not. That's what they say. I'm gonna throw up. The asylum was closed for good in 93. Good! <laughs> And Ohio University was built there. Shut up. <laughs> really? Yeah. Um, there are currently 1,930 people still buried in the cemetery, located at what they now call the ridges. But I'm sure there are more than that too. Quite possibly. Um, but only those buried after 1943 have names and dates. Because prior to that year, they were each given a number. What is this? The whole so That's what it sounds like. So you literally go fuck? to the cemetery and you cannot match or you can't find your loved ones. Those are human your beings. Loved ones. Exactly. That's disgusting. Oh. And just for those good old Ohio University students, they say that they can hear screams. And some have seen Margaret trying to escape the room. Oh. So, if you go to Ohio University. Let
1: us know how you're doing. Keep an eye out. For Margaret. Yep,
0: yep. Try and help her.
1: Oh, man. That was rough and really sad and I hated it, so thank you.
0: Oh, you're very welcome. Um, I'm going to tell
1: you a story now. Okay. Tell me a story. I will do it. For around 2 years now, I've worked at a low rent sec- I've worked as a low rent security guard at St. Daniel's Mental Health Facility in our town. It's classified as a medium to high level security and contains forensic units where patients are held who have committed crimes of some sort and have been declared innocent by reasons of insanity. Mhm. I don't get many details about the history or crimes of the patients, except from nurses who will mention something in passing.
0: I would have to look it up. Yeah, just saying. me too. I mean, it's one... I don't know. It's just to know that there are, like, people who have gotten away with murder or whatever because oh, of it. Oh, you'll see, yeah.
1: Um, I don't get many details about the history or the crimes of the patients, except from nurses who will mention something in passing. In the lull after a code white, or in the cafeteria, someone would let something slip. Like how... The one who acts like a dog and howls and drinks from toilets during full moons killed his little sister and her friends. No. Or watch out for that one. He's unpredictable. He's in here for strangling someone on the city bus. And we're pretty sure he's bringing crack in from outside and selling it. I pick up all kinds of tidbits. How the hell do you do that?
0: Oh, fucking no. Uh
1: I was on a first name basis and had a friendly rapport build up with one of the patients named Sam until a nurse let slip to me that he was a child molester. A serial child molester. Nope. I couldn't look him in the eye after hearing that, although I never knew for sure if it was actually true. He was a small, chubby toad of a man, with a goofy smile and a Kermit the Frog voice. (laughs) I thought he looked harmless enough until I pictured him standing over a child in a dark back room somewhere, or luring little ones at the mall with premises of puppies and video games and candy. No. Uh, despite all that, most of the patients in the facility were actually pretty pleasant. I tell people all the time that there are a lot of the a lot of people in these places get a bad rep and they're actually decent enough people. Hardly anyone was violent, especially when they were properly medicated. Code whites or a violent patient would happen maybe once or twice a shift, but it was usually manageable enough and within a few minutes I would go back to being bored again.
0: Once or twice a shift sounds. A lot. I think it's a fairly large facility, though. Okay. So, like... I mean, it just... It, it sounds like they're downplaying it, but to me, a violent patient once or twice in eight hours just sounds like something I wouldn't want to fucking deal with.
1: I mean, same. <laughs> but if you've got, like, 800 patients and yeah, like one yeah, or yeah, two... You know fair. what I mean? Yeah. Uh, maybe I had just gotten used to the place. Although the staff and most of the patients were amiable enough, the actual hospital, the grounds themselves, were pretty creepy. The hospital was first constructed over 150 years before, and although it had been rebuilt over time, many parts of the various buildings on the grounds were ancient. The basement of the main building, for example, had sections which were never refinished or renovated. Tunnels two and three times the length of football fields crossed beneath the basements for vast stretches. You would be walking along at night through the old, mildew-smelling basement Mm. and would hear footsteps coming towards you for a long, long time before actually seeing the person who was coming. Nope. Due to the slanting walls or corners obstructing the view. When the smiling, anxious face of another staff member came around the corner to greet you, it was a relief especially at night when there was hardly anyone ever in the basement. Code yellows or missing patients, speaking of your story, were so common. Like, they didn't even bother calling them over the overhead calling them on the overhead PA anymore. Yeah, see? That's crazy. Yeah. We would usually get a list of 5 to 10 patients each night <sighs> who had gone out on privileges and never came back just hopped on a bus or left or wandered off into the neighborhood across the street.
0: Well, I didn't know that privileges was a thing. It probably depends It depends, you are, yeah.
1: yeah. Um, absconded. Absconded was the mm-hmm. official term we used. I'm not sure if I'm saying that right. I think you are. This made patrolling the hospital grounds at night even scarier, knowing that an escaped mental patient could easily be hiding in a bush or in a tunnel down in the basement somewhere. Mm-hmm. I always just told myself that they had absconded because they wanted to get away from this place, so why stick around? I had scared the jumpy records clerk, Rhonda, a number of times. During my patrols, walking past her in the records room, she would see me out of the corner of her eye and jump, once even dropping a stack of papers she was holding and sending it flying into the air like a surprise cartoon character. She was pretty much the only one who worked on the lower level. I tried not to frighten her by startling her, But it was a bit of a running joke that she would jump whenever anyone passed
0: by and said hello. I kind of do the same thing. I've literally been looking at Nate before and he said something to me and it scared me. (laughs) (laughs) I'd be like, ah! It's so pathetic. Uh,
1: The worst part of the basement to patrol was a really old section at the far west end away from everything else. It was isolated and there was really no reason for anyone to go down there. There was a small alcove at the end of a pair of heavy wooden doors. You had to walk down a short five-step staircase to get down to the alcove that looked like a lobby or waiting room for whatever was behind those doors. Whenever I would pass by this alcove, my spine would break into goosebumps. My whole body would tell me to get away. Our patrol check machine was at the top of the stairs just outside this creepy little vestibule. The patrol check machine was essentially what it sounds like. It was a machine that you would scan a swipe card against during your rounds. This way, the company knew that you were doing your job and walking around the hospital grounds, doing your patrol and not just sitting in an office, watching a porno or reruns of the office, (laughs) as some night guards have been known to do. The patrol check machines were scattered all over the grounds and twice per shift, we had to visit all of them. It took about an hour and a half, depending on what you ran into during your route to punch in at all of the machines. One pudgy old guard named Doug, would just drive around in his car, hop out, punch in at each machine and then drive to the next one
0: that's smart <laughs> you would say
1: that <laughs>
0: he did this while he was training me he told me not to do this since it's not allowed that sounds like any typical trainer in, ever yeah in the world yeah don't do this but this is what i do <laughs> do as i say not as i yeah. do
1: I explored the hospital by myself when I started on my own and discovered that 95% of the hospital was unchecked during his strangely absent patrol routes. Hmm. One day, when I went to go punch in at the patrol patrol check machine, I thought I heard something from down the stairs behind those doors. Nope. It sounded like a small child crying. Nope. (laughs) I went down the stairs and looked at the door handles. A two-inch thick chain was wrapping around them. The padlock was dusty and the lock was laced with spiderwebs. I yanked on it briskly, but it was locked tight. My hands came away covered in gray dust and spiderwebs. No one had been in or out of that room in a very long time. I listened closely, thinking maybe it had just been old pipes creaking and alarm chiming, something like that. I put my ear up to the thick wooden door. There it was again the unmistakable sniffling sounds of a young child crying. It sounded like a little girl. Hello? I called through the door timidly, frightened of what I might hear call back to me. Hello? Is someone there? Yeah, I'm here. I'm a security guard for the hospital. Are you okay? How did you get in there? I don't know. She began to speak quickly and unintelligibly, but before, before becoming understandable again, And then they lock the door, and I can't see anything, and it's dark in here, and I want my daddy. Oh, I have
0: goosebumps. Yeah.
1: The child resumed sniffling and crying. I felt terrible for the girl. Someone had probably come to visit a relative and left her alone, and she had wandered off to explore a mental hospital on her own.
0: No, dude. Fucking don't do it. What
1: kind of parent could do something like that? And then... I remembered that we were in the middle of a pandemic and there were no visitors allowed oh, in the oh. hospital to decrease the chance of an outbreak. She must have gone in through a back tunnel somewhere, I thought. It was like the clue mansion around this place. Hidden tunnels were just a matter of course. I seemed to find different, mysterious old sections of the hospital every day and side tunnels branched off in so many directions, it was nearly impossible to explore them all. Some were dark and dusty and cobweb covered. It was obvious nobody had explored them in years. The place was so massive, it seemed like there was no end to the ancient and unusual sections that were no longer used, especially in the basement. People in town called the hospital the sanitarium, and its mysterious tunnels had been the source of local rumors and legends for years. I'm going to get you out of there, kid. Just hang on for a few minutes. Can you do that for me? I paused and waited for her to answer back, but she didn't. Hey, my name's Jordan, I said, softening my tone. What's yours? There was no response for a long few moments. And then the voice answered back, Samantha. That's all she would say.
0: Is this the second Samantha in the story? Or Sam? No. Did I have one in my story? No. No. You no. Know
1: what's really weird is when I first was reading through this story, I felt like that sounded super familiar, too. And i don't know why and then the only thing i could think of was in frozen 2 and olaf is like samantha i don't know anybody named samantha <laughs> <That's> <laughs> i do I love that of.
0: part um but no, yeah i was like i do have like goosebumps right now just like kind of knowing or assuming what's gonna happen or like assuming what is happening but also i really feel like we've said the name Sam or Samantha within the last like 10 minutes.
1: We haven't,
0: but that's super okay. creepy
1: because when I read the story, I felt like a weird familiar feeling too. That's, okay. I don't like that. Okay. Anyways, I looked at the key ring I had attached to my belt. It was the smaller ring, not the big one that had every conceivable key on it. This one had a copy of the grand master key, which opens basically every door on the premises aside from a few seldom used ones padlocks for an exception. These were not often opened and locked off old closed off sections like this door were not expected. We were not expected to go to on our rounds, so only the supervisor's ring held the keys for these locks. Behind these particular wooden doors was an old room which had once been used for electroshock therapy for pediatric patients way back in the old days. It had been closed up forever in the 1970s. Well, She's been in there for a long fucking time. Knowing I didn't have the right key for this lock, I pulled out my radio and called in the supervisor. Nothing came back. In the basement, the radio signal was terrible and our old walkie-talkies had range issues. I have to go upstairs to get help, Samantha. You're being very brave right now. I'm going to go get your dad and the key for this door, and we're going to get you out of there.
0: That is so sweet, first of all. I know.
1: (laughs) I waited for a few moments, but she wasn't going to say anything. Who knows how long she'd been in there for. I (laughs) bolted back up the hallway towards the staircase, pulled up my belt as I ran, and heaved the keys and radio equipment, jingling and rattling. Made it back to the main floor and called again on the radio for an answer. Hey, come in, Philip. I called over the radio, hailing my supervisor. A few long moments went by and then I heard a crackle of static and his voice came back. Yeah, I'm here. I was about to tell him the situation when the PA beeped loudly overhead. A monotone airline pilot voice spoke clearly and distinctly with evident boredom. Code white E is an Edward three, Code White E three, Code White E is an Edward three. There was a loud quick and the loud click as the PA shut off. Perfect timing, I thought to myself. Philip, can you hear me? There's a kid down here in the basement in a locked room. I heard the code white. What do you want me to do? I checked my watch, jotting the time down quickly on my notepad. 2.43 p.m. My shift ended at 3. These things always happen right before quitting town. P.m.? P.m.
0: Weren't okay. you expecting
1: it to be like I definitely midnight. thought it
0: was in the middle of the night, yeah.
1: Whoa, uh, okay. We need to deal with one thing at a time. Is she safe? I'm all the way at the other end of the property. I need you to respond to the code white if you can. He didn't say what we were both thinking, that the only other security guard on was Doug, the disgruntled, overweight guy who had trained me by driving around the parking lot. Doug doesn't do shit. He would not be a good person to rely on in an emergency. I'll just put it that way. His work ethic and motivation were questionable.
0: Why is he still working there? Oh, I I hate that shit.
1: Uh... I honestly don't know who knows how long this kid has been stuck in that room. It's the one in the basement down at the west end behind those giant wooden doors. Oh, uh wow. I could tell he knew the room I was talking about. There were only a few guards who had there were a few guards who had bad feelings walking past it. I wasn't the only one. Okay, I'm going to run back, just go to the code white and I'll head to the basement, Philip said. I put the walkie-talkie back in its holster and I ran down the hall, opening doors too quickly and bolting through them. I had to run to the other end of the main building, so it took me a few minutes to get there. One nurse shook her head at me as I walked into the unit and immediately threw some heavy shade my way. What are we even paying you guys for? We already took care of it. (laughs) Bitch. This particular nurse and I had never gotten along. She was an older RN named Marianne, who had worked there forever. She was the queen bee type and during her shifts, there was no doubt about who was running the show. I walked further into the unit, ignoring her and pulled out my notepad so that I could fill out my report before going home. I talked to a male nurse quickly, anxious to get back to the basement. It was so weird. He was looking out the window and started freaking out and screaming and throwing his pudding at the wall. (laughs) At least that's what his roommate said. And he's usually reliable enough. They pointed me in the direction of the roommate, Mike. I knew him from around the place. He was pleasant and kept to himself. He told me that he didn't see what had upset the other guy so much, but it was definitely something or someone outside that sent him into a frenzy. He had run away to get a nurse, and I told him that he had done the right thing. With my notepad full of my requisite details, I hailed Philip on the radio again. Hey, bud, did you get her out yet? Guess it's going to take a while to find the key, huh? Uh, there's nobody down here. I got the door open a minute ago and the room's empty. Told you. I swore and ran downstairs trying to figure out how he'd gotten the location wrong. I'd even given him, I hadn't given him enough detail on the location. I got down to the basement and ran down the long corridor back to the West End. When I finally got there, I saw that he had gotten the location right after all. He was standing outside the room, dusting off his hands and looking at me. I left it open so you could take a look. There's no little girl. You sure you heard it coming from this room and not over like an air vent or something? I told him I was sure and that we needed to call the police. I double checked with my flashlight inside that terrifying room. Most of the old equipment had been removed, so it stood bare and dusty. The few remaining pieces of unidentifiable hardware bolted to the walls were covered in cobwebs. Yep. The feeling of dread that I felt like an aura around the room intensified the longer I looked inside. I couldn't bring myself to step inside. I know, I'm a coward. (laughs) But Philip told me that he had checked and I knew that he was reliable. He was a volunteer constable with the police department on his days off, waiting for a real position to open up, trying to get his foot in the door. I stepped back, unsure how this was possible. Maybe the child had gotten out the same way she had gotten in. We checked and no one had come to the hospital with a child named Samantha that day. No children had been in the building at all. The police took a report and said they would cross-reference the case if any girls named Samantha were reported missing. But at the moment, there weren't any open cases involving someone by that name in the area. We did a sweep of the basement and checked everywhere. I stayed three hours late, not caring if I would get paid for my time. The hospital was so large, it felt like we were searching for a needle in a haystack. Doug even surprised me by staying late and helping to search, although he didn't cover a lot of ground. (laughs) By the time we were done, Philip was looking at me strangely. You sure you heard a little girl behind those doors? The lock hadn't been touched for decades by the looks of it. I don't see how anyone could have gotten in there. I left work dejected, feeling like people had begun to think I was crazy. But I had heard a little girl down in that room. I was 100% sure of that. The police assured us that they were going to follow up, but I couldn't help but think that I was failing that little girl somehow.
0: Mm-hmm. Where had she gone? Is that is that it? Mm-hmm. Okay, first of all, I'll tell you where she went. She was never there in the first place.
1: Or she was, but hasn't been there in a very long time.
0: Right, like 40 so. years. Yeah. I And she probably, I don't. I don't like it. I also don't like that they don't seem to acknowledge that it could be a ghost. Yeah. Why?
1: Which is, like, confusing to me. And then I also want to know what the Code White was about and what that dude saw outside.
0: True. Yeah. I wonder how long that dude had been there. Because maybe he knew Samantha. (gasps) Saw her ghost outside, flipped out because she's been missing for 45 years, and that's what sent him into a frenzy. Oh! I've figured it out, basically. So Yeah,
1: I think I think you're on it. Uh, there is a part two. Yes. I don't know if we want to take the time to read it right now. Do you want to give it a little skim and tell me if it's worth it? It's really long. It looks very interesting. Maybe we'll leave it here. And either start with that next week, Ooh. or maybe I will read it and decide it's not worth it. But either way, I feel like we should stop here. Yeah, yeah, you're then, right, you're right. You're right, you're right. And then we'll, uh, we'll figure it out. Uh, so that's that. Um, I had
0: goosebumps, like, multiple times throughout that story.
1: Yeah, it freaked me out. I was, like, scared. I was, like, reading that story home alone and, like, kept looking out the windows. Like, I was <laughs> creeped out. Uh, we'll be back next week to tell you which one of our stories were a real life encounter and which one was fiction. We'll also include the credits to this week's stories in the show notes for next week. And what are we doing next week, Jen?
0: We're going to have new stories for you coming new at you. Uh, looks like next week we're going to cover evil women. Yeah. I'm very excited about this. I feel like we've got
1: lots of material. We could just watch Snapped.
0: Yeah. Oh, <laughs> plenty of material. <laughs>
1: Um yeah, so we'll be back with that next week. Uh you can submit your own personal stories to but wait it gets worse at gmail.com. Please do that. I want to hear your stories. We want to read your stories. We want the rest of the world, well, the rest of our small audience to hear your <laughs> stories as well. Uh, you can also find us on Instagram at but wait, it gets worse.
0: Thank you for listening to us. Bye. Bye.